0: I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Wednesday. Coach K announces this is his final season. How good has he been? We'll break it down with the Celtics. Ainge out. Stevens moves to the front office. Now they're coaching or looking for a coach. How good has Stevens been? I think the ATS record is going to shock you. Also shocking, Lakers lose by 30 down in the series. Clippers can go up in the series tonight. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth. Talking about all that and more.
1: The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's RJ Bell.
0: Woo wee, what a day, what a day. RJ's here, live in Las Vegas, live on a Wednesday, a big, big Wednesday. Live on 225 FSR stations across this great nation. We're not going to mess around. We got about two hours and 20 minutes of show to get into an hour. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox.
2: Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we have the end of an era in college basketball, we've also got a major shakeup for one NBA team. What is the Vegas lead here on this Wednesday?
0: We're going to make this out of respect. We're going to start with Coach K. But, you know, there's not going to be a lot we have to say about it. So let's uh, tip our hat to him, and then uh, let's get on to the Celtics, I think.
2: Yeah, four decades and counting. uh, Mike Krzyzewski announcing he is retiring after the upcoming season. The longtime legendary Duke head basketball coach, five-time national champ, uh, calling it a day after the 2021-2022 season.
0: So I'm I'm probably not going to have anything – Special to say, except maybe one thing, which is let's not forget that before they beat UNLV and that great UNLV team, a team that really here in Vegas, there's still so much reverence for Larry Johnson, Greg Anthony on that team, uh, Stacy Ogman, and undefeated going into the semis. They were nine point favorites against Duke. You don't always see that line around because it wasn't actually in Nevada at the time. Uh, You weren't able to bet Nevada games in Nevada, but the line was other places and it was nine in that game. And at the time, Coach K had just gotten blown out. The worst blowout, I think, in history in the finals the year before against UNLV. And Coach K had never won a title and was known. Now, this, you got to be kind of older to remember this. As a guy that had good teams, they just couldn't win it all. Obviously, that changed the, the year they beat UNLV in the semis. And it changed four additional times, as Jonas said. That's one. I think number two, let's give him even more credit for being able to transition Coach K into the one-and-done era. Uh, a lot of coaches, you know, guy like Bobby Knight, some say one of the best coaches of all time. I would tend to agree with that. He had trouble transitioning as the game changed. Uh, Coach K didn't, and give him credit. Last thing I'll say is last year there was a great interview. I thought one of the best interviews of the year on the herd, Colin talking to Coach K and one of the things that really struck me in that interview was Coach K seemed mm, dis, uh, disengaged, maybe. Or certainly he wasn't enthusiastic about the direction of college basketball. And I, I wasn't going to you know, predict, oh, this is going to be his last year. But if you go back and listen to that interview, he, there really was kind of a, a lament of, of the time that had passed and, and the era that had passed and what college basketball had become. And to me, it really perked up my ears t- to what degree Coach K didn't seem enthusiastic and now we're seeing the final season upcoming. Jonas, what was your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I just... Uh, he's the greatest ba- college basketball coach of my lifetime. And it's funny you mentioned that uh, Duke-UNLV game. I didn't even so I when I started really watching college basketball it was the early 90s and I wasn't even aware of Duke getting blown out by UNLV because I just recall them beating them in the, in the semi-final the following year and then beating Kansas and he won the back-to-back titles and then they were off and running and I remember the first time I saw that he had actually lost to UNLV in that final the year before I was at a thrift store with my mom and there was a there was a t-shirt on the rack and it was a t-shirt from that game and it had The score, UNLV beating them by 30 – And I just remember rethinking my entire thought about UNLV and Coach K because all that I had known is that he had beaten UNLV and they were off and running and winning these national titles. I wasn't even aware that they had met up before, but the first time I saw it was at a thrift store and just to see all these years later, you know, adapt or die, winning in different eras, winning with different players, with different strategies. And then on top of that, the three gold medals going on and coaching professionals to gold uh, at the Olympics, I just, he's one of the all- greats in any sport
0: no doubt about it and think about it you had just been crushed crushed by UNLV now you're a nearly double digit underdog in the semis against pretty much the same team yeah and an undefeated team and the idea that if they had lost that game you know, who knows what would have happened? I mean, Coach K would have, wouldn't have been fired. But, I mean, maybe that he wins two titles instead of five. Meaning, you know, that one game obviously dictated so much. And it goes to show you is even uh, there's a lot of Duke uh, disdain out there because they seem in many ways privileged and they win all the time and it's an expensive school and, you know, high academic standards. But remember, they were big underdogs And they won that game. And to this day, I'm telling you right now, if you would say in Las Vegas, amongst the old timers, which basketball game has been discussed in the last 365 days, I bet that UNLV Duke game is the third most discussed game. I'm, I'm talking about all the games that got played this year, last year. It still is discussed at the diners and because the case could have been made. And to this day, there's still, you know, people that say outside of Nevada that UNLV team could have been the best basketball team of all time, even though they didn't win it. They were that highly regarded to just think back to back with the second being undefeated and uh, Greg Anthony got in foul trouble. And the funny thing was that (laughs) I still remember there was a guy I knew that made gigantic bets and uh, he he had all the money on UNLV, and after he's like the, the Tark fixed that one. He fixed it. <laughs> no no indication of that at all. But uh yeah, it was. I mean, you think about it, the UNLV game, or check that the Villanova Georgetown game in '85. That line was about nine. So as much as that is considered one of the great upsets in the history of college basketball. Duke over UNLV was right in range of that.
2: Yeah, I, uh, just an incredible run, incredible career. And then, look, he also got – there were a couple of heartbreaking losses as well, too, when he got to the – so just the five that he won, but there were a couple other appearances where, you know, they were in contention. Arkansas beat him, I think it was in 94. That was Grant Hill's final year. Um, UConn beat him later on. So just a, a legendary career, uh, and now he, uh, he moves on. And it was also a guy that was rumored back in the day that he was up for the Lakers job, that he was yep. – Seriously, considering, you know, going and coaching the Lakers, Kobe Kobe, Bryant had a great relationship with Mike Krzyzewski. It said he would have gone to Duke had he had gone to college, um, but he ended up staying at Duke. I think he won a couple of more national titles there and, and, you know, the rest is history.
0: And it will be fascinating because, let's be candid, last year was a disaster for Duke. Yeah. And if they go out anywhere like that, boy, it's going to be like uh, not a minute too soon. I think obviously his legacy is not at stake, but the, the, the last sentence of the bio is at stake. Or maybe not the last. Let's say the last sentence of the next to last paragraph, right? There'll be the wrap-up paragraph. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Mackenzie, we've got the ATS data, and that's always the way, hey, did a team exceed expectations? Uh, going back to, what, 2004? 2005. 2005. So how did Coach K and Duke do from 2005 through last year?
3: 51% ATS, 78% against um, straight up in his time at Duke.
0: All right, so his entire time at Duke, 78% straight up. That's about 8 out of 10. That's pretty good. And <laughs> just above 50%, 51. Now, 51 doesn't seem great, but when you're a team that has so much of a pedigree and and – so many fans to go over 50%, that actually is quite impressive because there's usually going to be about a point of extra, you know, there's going to be a premium on Duke. The fact that they covered over 50% is really impressive. Okay, I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. Let's start in, I think, uh, Jonas, with the Boston Celtics stuff.
2: Yeah, and uh, the Celtics' major changes, they were eliminated from playoff contention last night by the Brooklyn Nets in five games. Uh, And it comes out today, uh, Celtics president of basketball operations, Danny Ainge, he steps down from his position, and it's head coach Brad Stevens who will now be taking over that role, and he will lead the search for a new head coach for the Boston Celtics.
0: I tell you, this – I was listening, Bill Simmons did an impromptu podcast – And, you know, obviously, if you're a Simmons fan, he's a huge Celtics fan. He's connected there and very unexpected. Ainge, there had been whispers, and it's not all that unexpected. But with Stevens, not head coach, moving up to the front office, the ultimate boss other than the owner, very, very unexpected. No one had any inkling. And I think the most obvious question is, what skill set? Is it a transferable skill set? Uh, we talk about this all the time in the NFL. To become a coordinator is a tactical endeavor. To be a head coach is an executive endeavor. Oftentimes, great coordinators aren't even good head coaches and vice versa. A Mike Tomlin never was a Uh, coordinator of any significance. But he's become a really good, or he from the start it seemed, a very good head coach. Stevens knowing X's and O's is very different than knowing players and knowing how to navigate that world of trades, GM's, and all the different uh, elements of that job. Jonas, uh, first thought I have is Stevens is obviously a basketball guru. He's obviously quite bright. And skilled, but at minimum, there's going to be a learning curve, a big one. And quite frankly, we have no idea if he's going to be even an average. GM. And that's I I don't think that's the official title, but effectively what he would be. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I I don't think he's going to be there long. I I think this is temporary. Yeah, I I don't think he's going to be there long. They they cited the bubble. He was worn out because of the, the entire it just he sounds like he's just worn out from the process of being a head coach. Uh, the timing with Danny Ainge stepping away, I think the Celtics just wanted familiarity in that role. And I think the next great head coaching opportunity that comes up, Brad Stevens is going to be at the top of the list either in college or in the NBA, and I think he's going to want to get back into the coaching mm. uh, coaching
0: position. So do you, do you feel like somehow that Stevens was forced? I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine he was forced to take a, a promotion.
2: Yeah, you know, I just think that it, the timing of this – there had been rumors there was going to be a change. There's, there were even rumors, you know, is Brad Stevens on the hot seat because, you know, it was a disappointing year. You know, even with the injuries and all that, they just they can get yeah, to a certain but, point. But, I,
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, Joe. But I mean, there might have been rumors of that, but that would have been the most insane thing Maybe ever. I mean,
2: yeah, no, I I agree. I don't think he should have been fired, and I, uh, and but, I don't
0: think he would. I mean, from what again, you know, it's kind of interesting because Simmons uh, does talk Celtics a lot. So you know, I, I'm going to defer to him on this, but I, I don't. It doesn't feel like there was any. Pr- I mean, in a way, it feels like the fact he got the promotion kind of tells us that he wasn't on the hot seat right?
2: I I agree that was just outside conversation from people saying is he on the hot seat is there there a change that needs to be made because of how disappointing the season was and I just think the timing of it was Danny Ainge was worn out I think Brad Stevens was both worn out and it just seemed like a natural progression to take somebody familiar with that organization Mm -hmm. and that roster move him up but I just think sooner or later he's a coach he's going to get the itch to want to coach again And I think eventually he's going to get back out there.
0: I'll predict this. If he does coach again, and I tend to agree with you, it will be with the Celtics. I I think what you could see is him take a couple of years, um, you know, as the GM. Obviously, the next coach uh, could do great. Right. And if so. Yeah. hmm. But if he doesn't, I, I think if there is a replacement He would, I mean, Chris, think about it. To be so entrenched in Boston where you're the effective GM, then you go back to coaching. And actually, I don't know what his official title was, but Popovich, actually, if people remember, I think it was back in 95, had a higher executive role than head coach. Uh, And again, I don't know if it was the official GM. Mackenzie, maybe look that up. but then he took the job, and at the time it was like people said, "Oh, man, why is this guy taking this job?" So it's not unusual or it's not, I guess uh, it's happened before, yeah, the unprecedented that that uh, someone goes from that higher position okay. down. Uh, it, it just feels like uh, from what the writers are saying specifically, that the fatigue had a lot to do with the traveling and and as an executive you know being away from the family so more of that than the fatigue and it strikes me as an executive they go on some trips but not all trips maybe that's where you know the real advantage is going to be when it comes to the family
2: and and i also wonder if they gave him the option of you can be head coach and also have this role as well we've i mean look everybody remembers rick rick patino his time in boston it didn't go well but I, doc rivers another example to where he had personnel control and it didn't go well and i just wonder if brad stevens had to make a choice and he said i'm burnt out uh i don't want to do both if i've got to pick one or the other i want to step away from coaching and maybe a return to boston does make some sense but i I don't think this is the end of his of his time as a coach at either college or the nba
0: though the question is how much does he love this because to be candid at some point and you got to give a guy like Popovich credit to be, you know, uh, I think moving towards 70, and he's still worrying about out-of-bounds plays. So, you know, the kind of basic – and if you look at, like, Pat Riley, even when they got LeBron uh, and he could have came down and coached again, you know, it, it wasn't something he wanted. It feels like once you get to that executive level, most people, if they're good at it, they like it. And it's and it such a, you know, it's such a bigger job, I guess, in that, you know, you're deciding the players instead
3: of the plays, I guess. Mackenzie what was the uh, Popovich exact situation? In 94, he took over as the GM and vice president of basketball operations for the Spurs. See, Jonas, I know a little sports. <laughs> you're, always, you're always acting like nah, you know about uh,
0: seven times as much. All right, let's take our first break. But I know a little more gambling. Let's take our first break. <laughs> oh, man, we almost had that LeBron, didn't we? Oh, my gosh. That, it, it, <laughs> well, listen, when we come back, we'll talk about that. But also, Stevens, how has he done Against the Vegas spread as a head coach. His results are extreme and really a big, big surprise.
2: He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with an
0: i'm rj bell we are straight out of vegas
2: and i'm jonas knox voice of you the fan coming up here in just a couple of moments we will take a look at brad stevens from a vegas perspective
0: yes how good was he it's quite surprising Great day to join. This is the Fast Growing Show on Fox Sports Radio. The audience has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you for the support. We're going to keep working extra hard to keep delivering for you. You can listen to us on 225 stations coast to coast. You can go to foxsportsradio.com and find out exactly where your station is. If you don't know in any given area, or you can listen streaming right there. Here on the strip in Las Vegas, 107 degrees. The neon is percolating
2: so rj we will take a closer look at brad stevens from a vegas perspective here i want to let you know that there is no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up law enforcement are writing tickets so why take the risk do the smart thing and start buckling up every trip day or night click it or ticket paid for by NHTSA. obviously the big news in the nba earlier today major changes in boston president of basketball ops danny ainge steps down brad stevens former head coach now steps into the role for danny ainge
0: I got a question about the buckling up, Jonas. What happens if you feel like you gotta jump out of the car? Let's say it's go it's starting to go slower <laughs> and you're thinking if I jump out I have a better chance of, of being okay. Should you no. unbuckle or not?
2: No, absolutely not. Right. It, it, it's I'm, that buckle all the way.
0: I, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna do this for every day now. You know that. <laughs> all right. So let's look at Danny Ainge or specifically let's look at Stevens. Uh, McKenzie did a good job uh, digging back into the database. So from seven years as head coach, against the spread, counting playoffs, counting regular season, where does the Celtics rank during Stevens' tenure?
3: Number one in the NBA during Stevens' tenure. Number one. And what was the ATS record? 53.3%. So think about that. If you
0: had 5238 is break even against the minus 110 VIG. So literally, if you would have said, this Stevens fellow, you know, he looked good at Butler, and I think that's going to (laughs) transfer to the NBA, and he's just got intelligent eyes, I'm going to bet the Celtics every game blindly, you would have made money. And – very rarely over seven seasons is that going to be the case? If the fact that they're the number one team, so not only did they have a good straight up record, you know it wasn't the best but good. They exceeded the Celtics' expectations more than any other team during his tenure. That to me, at least from the Vegas perspective, is about as well as you can do. Now let's go back, McKenzie, to Danny Ainge's longer tenure. How did the Celtics rank?
3: Eighth straight up, eighth against the spread.
0: Okay. So if you take out you know what you can do for me? Go from Danny Ainge's till Stevens began and just look at those years and tell me how where he ranks because I'm thinking if they were first from seven years and eighth over the whole time, it's going to be even worse than eighth, Jonas. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, that, I'm just, that
2: would be my guess as it's well. It's kind as of
0: as the that. SAT kind of thing. So,
2: although uh, he did, there there were those title teams. Those uh, you got to include the O yeah. eight team and then the NBA Finals team in, in
0: 2010. So that'd be curious to see. But but remember now, this Vegas spreads the great equalizer. So when you have a big three like they had. You know, there probably were seasons they uh, got to the finals or um, even won it that they didn't even have a winning record against the spread. That happens. Uh, You know, remember, the great story is how the Patriots, the year they started and went ultimately undefeated till the Super Bowl, they started 8-0 and... They were, I think, 8-0 against the spread, or very, very good against the spread. Then the rest of the year, there were 10 additional games, and they were like 1-8-1 and against the spread. And I'm going by memory there, but it was a horrible. So think about it. You're 8-0, and if a little futuristic person said, a little Martian jumped on your shoulder and he said, they're going to go... You know seven or six, I guess it would be 18 and 0 to the Super Bowl. You'd think I'm betting them, you know. Obviously, you'd bet the money line, but the idea that you'd hardly win a bet the rest of the year it, it shows you how the spread really is the great equalizer. Now, we do have some odds on the next Celtics coach, and these came out very quickly. So, right now, the top assistant on the Celtics. Is that Larange? How do you pronounce that, Jonas?
2: Is that a uh, Larinega, I believe.
0: Larnega. Okay, yeah. there you go. Laranega is the favorite, 3 to 1 though. And then you have Jason Kidd, 5 to 1, Chauncey Billups, 6 to 1, Lloyd Pierce, 6 to 1, and Sam Cassell, 7 to 1. So
2: I I, I mean Yes, there, there's a couple of uh, Celtic ties. Uh, Sam Cassell was on the staff that won the title, uh, or, or no, he was was he on the team or the staff? I think he was on the team that won the title in 2008. And then Chauncey Billups, they drafted mm-hmm. uh, Chauncey Billups. So um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. I just I wonder how desirable of a job that is, considering you've got the former head coach who had you know really good success there, who's now your boss, knowing that that could be looming at any at any point.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, kind of like Miami, right? So, yeah, true. And uh Spolcher has, I, I think, obviously done an excellent job. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, you know, best coach in the league right now. It, it is interesting how Stephen Stock had dropped. Um, now, the idea, you know, of him losing his job or whatever, I didn't think was even possible or reasonable, but uh, the idea that that a couple years ago, there was a sense that it was Popovich, but he was kind of dropping off and then going up with Stevens, the new blood, the new generation. And you know what? I think what we saw from Stevens, and maybe this speaks to the front office might be better for him is today in the NBA. It's not just X's and O's for a head coach. How do you manage superstars that, quite frankly, have more power than you? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Nets, and uh, and and obviously a former player there, and 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 it seems to be going great, but. The prior coach there was – and I forget his name right now. He was very well regarded. I'm, I'm sure you remember.
2: Yeah, it's uh, – oh, God. Um, Kenny Atkinson? Yes, yes. Yeah, Kenny thank Atkinson, you. yes. Uh,
0: he was considered to be one of the best technicians in the game, but the players just didn't like him. And it, so it was like, you're out. So in a way, Stevens had, you know, obviously more power than that. But the ability to manage these egos, because you're 22 years old, 23, you sign a max deal, you're making 30 plus mil. And quite frankly, almost all of those players have been the stars of their towns, of their schools since they were 12, 10, 12 years old that is a different skill set. The Popovich kinda of do you know, play play tough with him. You know, I'm not even sure that would've lasted as long as it did without Duncan. You know, there's been a lot of talk that ever since Duncan left and retired, that the Spurs not only did they lose him on the court, but do you think Kwai would have left if Duncan was still there? So and Kwai did leave. I mean, if you think about it, whatever Popovich has done since, having Kwai leave was the biggest thing to happen to the Spurs and it just strikes me Stevens as a former college coach uh, navigating these massive egos maybe not his greatest skill set
2: yeah and and I also think that I don't know that he had a star his entire time as head coach there, up until Jason Tatum, who's becoming a flat out superstar in the league with just some of his performances. So I mean you could say Kyrie Irving, but you know, that I wouldn't really necessarily call that a success. He was in and no, out. And no. It would yeah, and and it's so just to to see what he was able to accomplish you know without really a, a genuine star uh, at any point and then what he took over and it was a full blown rebuild they stripped it all down they got a bunch of draft picks traded it away uh, i just think you know if anybody's going to argue whether or not it was a successful run i i think it was a success even though there was no finals appearances what he was able to do i i still think he had a ton of success
0: well i agree but i i would say this the trend line had flattened out yes. it, was, it was probably Agreed. going the other way, yeah. not that it was going where it was below average, but it had reached a height and in general, if you would have said, what is because think about and this goes more to age as it, maybe even more, but if you think about it they they've missed on three or four, and some of it was injury and and now it looks like another injury situation, but uh, you know really it's very possible. The only assets that are going to matter on Boston come the start of next year that are currently there are Brown and Tatum. And, you know, anyone else there is probably doesn't move the needle. And that is much considering how they've developed to be in a situation where what the Celtics will be probably the 10th favorite, the ninth favorite next year to win the title. That's got to be disappointing. If, if you would have said Tatum's moving to be a top seven player, which he is, Brown top 20, uh, the idea that there's nothing else there, that isn't Stevens as much, but it certainly has been a disappointment. RJ Bell, we are straight out of Vegas. Let's do this. Let's take a gander. Yes, let's just kind of go a sentence or two on yesterday's results. How's that? Yeah.
2: yeah, And it was the uh, obviously the big game was the Suns beating the Lakers one fifteen one eighty five. It was a route. Phoenix now leads the series three games to two Uh, game six coming up uh, at Staples Center
0: tomorrow night. So how did LeBron look to you?
2: I mean, he looked like he's looked this entire playoff to where he's he's a good, very good, um, you know, best player on the floor at times, but those times are, are few and far between as as compared to other seasons.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it feels like this was the game as we talked about at length yesterday that he would have shown it if he had it, and twenty four points fell under. It's so funny I was watching it and and then i was seeing the point total and remember yesterday we had a little hedge hedge bet we had the suns which obviously covered but lebron over uh 27 and a half points and i'm seeing it like 22 24 and it's like man this is this is pretty prophetic i'm thinking because i said even if the lakers are getting crushed lebron's going to keep you know filling up the bucket and we're going to get over probably and then i said Maybe I jinxed the jinxes. I go, the only (laughs) problem is if they get down too much, they might sit them. So I, I feel like I was more predictive on this than even if we had won. But as you were watching the game, Joan, is uh, how did <laughs> it was kind of amusing, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I started feeling less confident about it, especially in in start of the second half, because you thought, okay, well, you know, they're they're down by a bunch, maybe they'll give it one, you know, step on the gas a little bit to start the third quarter, and it was like Phoenix never let up. I mean, it just, I mean, the Lakers were never really in that game, um, and I was, you know, also wondering, all right, is there a loophole? The fact that he walked off the floor with five <laughs> minutes left does that does that throw out that bet? <laughs> (laughs) And now you get your money back. Uh, But unfortunately, I don't think that's the case.
0: Have you ever met a bookie before, (laughs) James?
2: No, no. But but they've met me in a drunken state and taken (laughs) all my money before.
0: They met you and they're richer for it.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) All
0: right. Let's do this because Chris Paul did – potentially apparently re-injure his shoulder we're going to talk about that
1: be sure to catch live editions of straight out of vegas weekdays at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific
2: straight out of vegas here on fox sports radio i'm jonas knox voice of you the fan he's the voice of vegas rj bell
0: we'll take our final break talk about chris paul and his status when we come back also couple games tonight, the Clippers can take the lead in the series, take command. We'll get into that series.
2: He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show
1: you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. When life throws you uh-ohs, just save, better get Mako. Head to makeo.com to book your appointment today.
0: From rj bell we are straight out of vegas
2: and i'm jonas knox voice of you the fan and rj we've been discussing the nba throughout the course of the show and the series in the playoffs that's getting the most coverage is the lakers and the suns la finds themselves down three games to two after a 30 point loss to phoenix last night
0: okay mckenzie we got two questions one What is the status, and I'm going to ask both questions, what is the status of Chris Paul beyond the official status? And number two, what do we have as the current series price in this matchup?
3: So Chris Paul's status, he is officially probable, but beyond that, Monte Williams says he's very optimistic about his uh, being able to be 100% or close to it in Game 6. The series price, the Suns are now minus 285. The Lakers take back plus 215.
0: All right, so the imputed odds say Suns' chance of advancing is?
3: Uh, One second, we got that right here. Lakers are 30%, Suns are 70%. All
0: right, 70% chance, Chris Paul likely to play in the game. You know, I was looking at the box score. The Lakers took 39 shots in the first half. LeBron only took 10 of them. So when you're in a situation where you're taking the team on your back, 10 of the, you know, 25% of the shots, it it doesn't cut it. Uh, I don't know if it's he's just physically not able to. I don't know if he figures, you know, let's be candid. LeBron's had... Numerous times, you could make the case that he wasn't going down fighting. You could very much make the case and tell me if you agree, Jonas, uh, against the Mavs. he did not go down fighting.
2: Yeah, and also there's he's been yeah. accused of that against the uh, the Celtics his his fr- the exactly. first time around in Cleveland with yeah. the,
0: with the famous rumor and such. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, the idea. I'm not saying this was as egregious, but man, it did not feel like going down fighting at all. And, again, I, I do believe I, – I just don't – you know, I know maybe I'm old school. <laughs> I can't imagine that the Jordan would have went out that way. Or he hasn't gone out. Let's give him credit. But, I mean, maybe this is just glorification of Jordan. But I, I think he's going to put up as many shots as he needs to give the team a chance. And, obviously, the rest of the Lakers weren't playing all that well. And that's why wasn't LeBron – shooting the ball at I me mean, as much as he could because at, at minimum there's a chance that he could get hot because those other guys it doesn't seem like there's any chance but it'll be interesting to see as we uh, it goes back to L.A. Uh, let's take a quick gander at the Washington game. Cause we gave a best bet on that yesterday. I want to reaffirm that.
2: Yeah. And tip off less than an hour from now, game five between the 76ers and the wizards on NBA TV. And right now on pregame.com or excuse me, uh, right now on pregame.com. And it's actually tipping off here in about 15 minutes from now. I, I, I pardon me. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, a six point favorite in that game on pregame.
0: Okay. So that line's gone down. We gave it out at six and a half yesterday. I like, as a best bet, Washington. The rationale is pretty simple. is If you look at, and Mackenzie, you can confirm this, if you look at game one of the series, which would be, all right, here's the baseline. Here's what, everyone's healthy, uh, though Washington obviously has uh, some, Beal was banged up at the time, but okay, given the givens at the time, yeah, well, would you say Beal's considered to be healthier right now than he was in Game One, uh, Jonas?
2: Uh, yeah. I, I don't know that there's been any real change. Like, um, but if like anything,
0: it's it's not uh, less healthy. If anything, it's a little more healthy.
2: Uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah.
0: Okay. So if anything, it makes my point even more. Is the line in Game One was eight and a half, so that was in Philadelphia, Philadelphia at home, eight and a half. Now Embiid's out. And Bede's worth, what, five points a game? What do you got on Matt McKenzie? Four and a half. All right, so four and a half or five points a game, but the line's only gone down at least from eight and a half to six and a half yesterday. Now it's gone down another half point. To me, that's not enough. And do we really think... Uh, Taba- Taba- uh, T- Harris is is <laughs> in, his, in a Harris is in a situation that we after when the pressure was on him he didn't really respond after Embiid went down do we got Ben Simmons thinking oh he's made five of twenty free throws he's gonna pick up the slack I don't see how we can be more optimistic about. Philadelphia without Embiid, then we would have been in game one. And now you got Washington smelling blood. And and we know Westbrook's not one to give up. What do you think of that bet, Jonas?
2: Well, and if it comes down to just who's your two best versus the other team's two best, I'll take Beal and Westbrook over Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons.
0: (laughs) That's a tough one for me for some reason. All right, so Clippers, uh, we're tight on time here, but the Clippers are are favored by seven and a half in this game and it's actually higher Jonas than the line was in game one so after all four of these games the Clippers are considered to be better relative to Dallas than they were in game one
2: and it's got to be because of Luca's health, uh, clearly not 100%.
0: Except the over-under for his points is only down about two points. It was 30.5, now it's 28.5. So the betting market thinks Luca is almost 100%.
2: We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas!